Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Hate. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 22, Innocence. Yeah, but I have nothing. We're both guilty of failure to present bad jokes. Mm. Uh, it originally aired on the 8th of April, 1996, and was written by... The story was by Anthony Williams of Young Lady Chatterley 2 fame. Uh, this is his the other credit that he had with, that I mentioned back when we did Tattoo. Sure, no, sure. not Tattoo, um, Cold Fire. Yeah, whichever. Uh, teleplay is by Lisa Klink, who I, I've mentioned as well. She did the teleplay for Resistance and will write uh, several season three episodes. It's directed by James L. Conway. Uh, also a familiar name. He has three other episodes this season of Voyager, and then has also done some TNG, DS9, and Enterprise. Our synopsis from TV Guide. After crashing on a distant moon, Tuvok discovers he is not alone. With him are three children who were left there by their people and are apparently to be sacrificed. Memory Alpha says Tuvok is trapped on a moon with a group of alien children who are disappearing one by one. Except two of them disappear at once. Yeah. That was it? That was the whole synopsis? That was the whole synopsis. That's a very short synopsis for you get something, you know, for percentage-wise. Like, as a ratio, it got a lot wrong in that short synopsis. Yes. So we have another crew death this episode. Not only that, but there goes another shuttle. <laughs> Does it? We don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like... We opened with a, with a crash shuttle... And then it gets off the ground by the end, but we never see it get all the way off the ground and go back to Voyager at the end. It was forced to land by the aliens, but they presumably, like, made peace there after everything was explained, and they probably just let them take the shuttle back to Voyager. They weren't going to let them... They certainly didn't want them to leave it on their sacred moon. Well, of course they wouldn't want them to leave it on the sacred moon. I'm saying, could it have made the flight? I think it could have. Because uh, Tuvok, well, the way Tuvok said was it could make the flight as it was. It just couldn't if the aliens kept firing on them. Sure, sure. And regardless, now that they can send other people down to the shuttle, they can send Bolana down to fix it. And I suppose that Tuvok will have less weight on board now that... Oh. Yeah. So uh, we open it on the crash shuttle and Tuvok tending to a wounded and then dead uh, ensign. So his final words were, I can't feel my legs. And all that went through my head was, Instant Parrot, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> it was Instant Bennett, by the way. Him too. He doesn't have legs either. I appreciate the Forrest Gump reference. What I wrote down was Instant Rando, you ain't got no legs. Because his, <laughs> because his name like went in one ear and out the other. So we had the crew compliment go up last week. And now it's just gone down again. Yes, I was also thinking that. <laughs> uh, Tuvok places, a, I don't know, some sort of blinky device next to the ensign, which we then later find out was a stasis field generator. Well, you don't want him to start decaying and stinking up the shuttle. Uh, yeah, and it's like a tropical-ish seeming jungle. He'd probably decay pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Tuvok uh, is tending to him like to the final moments, and then he hears like a twig snap or something he draws his phaser on some kids well he draws it on one kid at first that's true yeah just this little girl just wandering through the well, jungle i mean drawing his phaser was the appropriate reaction i mean he didn't yeah, know sure, it sure. it could have been the morok the morok doesn't exist 
It does exist, Tuvok. <laughs> he should have like totally bought in on the Morok myth. If he wasn't a Vulcan, I, like, if it was Tom Paris, he totally would have bought in on the Morok myth. I'm like, yes, I heard he also eats you know disobedient children who can't sit still. <laughs> yes, Tom Paris would have done that. So yes, yeah, so he you know the little girl comes out of the woods. He grabs her to keep her from running away, so he can figure out what the heck are you doing? You're a small child in the in the jungle. I like when she asks him to let go, let her let her go and he's like will you run away if i do right <laughs> that was a good line she wants us to like think about it for a minute it's like well okay fine i guess not two other kids then come out of the woods uh, a girl and a boy mm-hmm. tuvok is like well since apparently there are no other adults around i shall be the adult and i will protect you and they're like oh boy and they all hug him the children are tressa corin and alani thank you and you know tuvok's expression is like i would rather be anywhere else in the galaxy than right here, right now, being hugged by these children. What about being hugged by Neelix? Tough call. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's a toughie. Does Tuvok have a murdering children holiday episode too? I, I hope, hope not. not. That's a little that's a little too dark. This is nineteen ninety six, not, you know, two thousand six. Yeah. So uh, those kids are in really good shape for having also crash landed on this moon. Yeah. Well, that's because we guess, find out later. Yeah, yeah, but still, like I was expecting, you know, and, and Tuvok calls that out as well. Like, yeah, I think like he he put voice to my thought a few like a couple minutes after I had it, which is that you seem in very good. You know, you only have a few bruises, and that's when we find out that their protectors had put them into escape pods. Mm-hmm. After after the hugging, we we cut back to Voyager. Janeway and Chakotay are having a conversation because Janeway's about to make first contact with the. Drayans. Thank you. And Jakote is regaling her with a story of how how excited he was to be part of First Contact when he was young. And that he accidentally propositioned them. Because he spent all this time doing research and nowhere in their research did it come up that the that ma- that the, the, the males and females of this society have different sign language. Plus, I mean, look how low he zips his collar. He propositions everyone. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. We've talked about the the call yeah, theory, yeah, right? But, okay. Oh no, I mean, like, but we can bring it up again because it has been a few episodes. Yes. Okay. So there's a theory um, that has gone around Twitter. I believe it was originally brought up by Holly Amos uh, that on Star Trek, the the height of the uh, uh, how far up they zip a collar is how straight laced and prudish they are, and if they zip it, they have it way low down. Then well, they're a slut, and see tom paris being the big example of that uh yeah but chakotay dang his is pretty darn low that's all i'm saying tuvox though tuvox is way up there which makes perfect sense because tuvox is such a prude yeah if tuvox could have just the zipper section extend above his collar like right up to his adam's (laughs) apple or something he probably would so in there's a scene there one of the scenes in star trek generations data's uniform is actually doing that Oh, the the top, the the zipper pull, the colored part. His... Yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's also a few scenes um, in the first couple seasons of DS9 where extras do that too, because they presumably didn't know any better. Mm. Yeah, they they actually by the time Voyager came around, they had modified the jackets and like stretched them out a little bit uh, so that they weren't quite as loose at the top. And I don't believe they actually zip any far farther than the black now. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. 
you can see it. Um, it's it's especially noticeable on DS9 because DS9 season three they changed to the to the slightly modified jackets that they use in Voyager. Uh, they're a lot floppier at the collo for the first two seasons. Well, one of us cares about making notes, and one of us cares a great deal about the sanctity of the uniform. Yes, I'm going to drop in the "you've disrespected the uniform" clip. From, That's uh, you betrayed your uniform. Whatever. <laughs> just just Cisco, Cisco yelling about uniforms. That's all. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it. I bet Chakotay was actually propositioning them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he did all that research. He just told us. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> anyway, so Chainway is very. Uh, confident about this first about this uh, about this first contact scenario she's mm-hmm. she's she's just giddy they beam the the first prelate i think that i think that was her title yes first prelate yes and and her two aides and just to get a little bit of stargate in our voyager um they travel in threes and only one speaks <laughs> yes they hunt in packs <laughs> <laughs> and they wear like veil things veil things yeah yeah and and you can see through the veil that they have some sort of forehead thing going on just like the children and so immediately it's oh okay so these children are like the same people as these people which begs the question why don't the children wear veil things right i was starting to wonder that as well uh, especially well well at first i was wondering if like, the veil thing was some sort of like formal attire um later we find out that no apparently almost like basically all the adults we see of these people wear the veil thing. So I was like, is this like, maybe it's like a sign of adulthood or maturation or something. Well, then the children should wear it because they're no one's more mature than these children. Don't spoil that. Oh, come on. If you're listening (laughs) to the episode, I, I, I know we have at least one listener who has never watched Voyager, but If you're listening to the episode, we're going to reveal the end anyway, eventually. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Maybe it was like the braids, uh, you know, from the 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 girls from uh, from the two rivers. Yes, thank you. Well, because they have to wear they wear ribbons until they don't. Yeah, right. And then like, and the braids mean something too. They can only braid their hair once they're a real woman, because right, then they yeah, can tug it, it when they're annoyed at men. <laughs> <laughs> but don't but don't take our word for it. Ask parent. He knows about women. Oh, he doesn't know anything about women. Ask Matt. He knows everything about women. Yeah, Matt knows nothing about women. Ask Rand. He knows women. <laughs> Rand doesn't know anything about women. Ask Perrin. Oh, jeez. So. Perrin was the first one to get married. That's very true. <laughs> but this episode, which is not the Wheel of Time. I'm not prepared to do Wheel of Time weekly. <laughs> oh, goodness, No. <laughs> If for no other reason, like at the midpoint, it's like on this episode, we're just gonna we're just gonna drink cyanide for four hours <laughs> as we begin to discuss book nine. In this episode, a wall falls on Matt. Four years later, we'll tell you why. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> so back to the moon. Yes. Tuvok is there with the children who are, well, behaving like children, running around and screaming and playing with things that he doesn't want them to play with, which is literally nothing. He wants them to play with nothing, like nothing at all. Like I, I was going to say, like, except for like leaves or dirt. He's like, no, he probably wouldn't want them to do that either. I found it, I found it amusing when he 
picks them up and places them as if that is gonna, you know, work. Yes, and then immediately the one kid's like, but I want to sit next to you. The kids also point out that uh, at this point, they mentioned that there were other children and they were taken by the Morok. Yes, and we also find that the Morok lives in the cave. But Tuvok detects no life forms. Which doesn't help the children too terribly much. So Tuvok then teaches them the Bene Gesserit litany. Fears the mind killer. Basically, yes. You know, he, he walks them through, like, you know, the Vulcan Bene Gesserit litany, basically. Mm. Vulcans are the Mentats, basically. May the Morok's coming cleanse the world? Well, sort of. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's sort of, like, we'll we'll talk about more about how maybe it's cleansing the world when, when we get to more information later in the episode. Anyway, so, yes, there's nothing in the cave. You guys just need to face your fears. Like, picture them, and then get rid of them. Like it's a ridiculous. Or, uh, sorry, a bogart. Boggart? Yes, boggart. Boggart. And then you cast ridiculous. Right. Well, I think it was ridiculous, but yes. Yeah. It's Leviosa. Mm. No, it's Leviosa. Whatever. Uh, they don't have, like, ballpoint pens. They're... The wizards are dumb. Yes, yes. And they apparently didn't use bathrooms until the 17th century. <laughs> you saw that thing, right? I did. That's also gross. So Yes, so gross. So we're back on Voyager. The doctor is showing off his new diplomatic skills. Uh, yes, and... It sounded like he was trying to make a joke with the whole, I usually don't see official visitors. Especially like the way he smiles after that, because he's like, yeah, see my joke that I made that wasn't funny? Right. But uh, (laughs) he clearly did not download the, when you tell a bad joke, make it clear that it was supposed to be a, like it was supposed to be a joke subroutine yet. I mean, we've all been there. Like, oh no, sure. Like, no, that was just my poor attempt at humor. I guess we did skip over where the prelate is shown the warp drive, but whatever. We do learn that they carry enough fuel to last up to three years. Yes, because the warp drive has some sort of, like, recycling functionality to it. Oh, by the way, we should also mention that the whole reason they're here is because this is yet another planet they're trying to get polyferide from. They're still on the look for polyferide? (laughs) Yes, yes, they are. They needed that months ago. Which is interesting, because in Tattoo, they were talking about how if they didn't get any soon, the ship was going to stop. And yet... They got some. Oh, I guess not enough, apparently. Yeah, no, no, they didn't get unlimited mining rights or anything, but they were sent off with a supply of it. We talked about this when we talked about Tattoo. Did we? Okay. Yeah, like basically, the one, like, some of like, the last stuff that Chakotay s- says to the Sky People is... Thank you for your gift of this thing. And the Scott person's like, well, we're sorry we, we didn't allow you to, you know, like, mine our mountains to dust for it. But here you go. Have some. Okay. But yes, they're still looking for probably ferrite. So, back on the back on the moon, mm-hmm. Tuvok is still being, Tuvok's patience is still being tried by these rambunctious, oh my, yes. disobedient, totally not Vulcan children. I like how he often tells them what they would be doing if they were Vulcan children. Right. Like, you know the thing you're doing right now? You wouldn't be doing it if you were Vulcan children. He'll save children, but not the Drain children. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's just references all the way down in this episode. Yes. So, including all the way down. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So he teaches uh, one of them how to put herself into a meditative state by 
doing basically like the Vulcan version of this is the church, this is the steeple. Mm. So all the other kids want to get in on this action as well. Naturally. And I did like I did like the one kid who was like, be quiet. I'm trying to put myself into a meditative state. <laughs> and I like that the one kid eventually was like, my nose itches. May I scratch it? You may. They then hear a ship approaching and the kids all freak out. Because I think this is the first time that we find out that not only did the kids all crash here, and not only is the Morok here going to kill them, but although they were sent down to the planet in escape pods by their protectors, the rest of their people want to kill them. Yep, apparently. For reasons. Well, we don't know that the protectors were the ones that wanted to kill them. Maybe the protectors were like a different faction of people who are anti-child murder. Yeah, that's fair. So, Tuvok and the children go and hide in the bushes. And Tuvok pushes buttons on his tricorder to mask their life signs. Mm-hmm. Tricorders are fancy. Well, this is like the third or fourth version of the 24th century tricorder that we've gone through at this point. So, yeah. That seems low, actually, to me. Just because, like, think of it from, like, the perspective, like, from the 80s to today. Well, this would be from the 80s, from the late 80s to the mid-90s, but yes. Okay, so... Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because TNG, like, it, it's all contiguous. Yeah, at this point, Star Trek has, it, it's been so, like... So, so call it it's ten It's been years. like nine years, ten years, yeah. So, yes, they, that's not that strange. Yeah. At the On the other hand, I feel like at some point the technological progress, Moore's Law notwithstanding, will slow. Well, if a big part of your mission statement is to find new life and new civilizations... Mm. Then you're constantly bringing in more input to and you produce. You need a better tricorder to do that more input, right? Okay. Exactly, and the new input is also helping you build a better tricorder. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so uh, four generations in ten years. I think it's okay. the third version of the tricorder. Okay, even three in ten years. That's okay. I can get along with that. I thought it was gonna. I, I thought it was a, a longer time frame. I, yeah. I forgot about the whole. You know. One show bled into the other thing. Right. So, we're back on Voyager. And we're having, and at this point, the prelate has left because she has found out about the fact that there's a crash shuttle on their sacred moon and the children and the things and yeah, the stuff. but she didn't tell Voyager that. She just said she had an emergency she had to deal with. Right. And it's like, oh, well, it's nice meeting you, but you can leave now, basically, was what the prelate said to Voyager. Um, Janeway is talking with Bellana and Tom Paris to figure out where Tuvok's shuttle went because they haven't heard from him because like well the prelate's gone I guess that's not happened so I guess we'll leave where's Tuvok they narrow it down to the moon that he crashed on so they fly on over there and the prelate calls he's like what are you doing why are you near our moon this is our sacred moon get away from our sacred moon it's like well we're trying but our person's down there and then she says we found your shuttle the pilot is dead so if they found the shuttle and the pilot then they should have also noticed the pilot was in stasis and therefore known that someone else must have had to do that. Right. I don't like these people, the Drans. Mm, I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. So when they were in engineering, checking out the warp drive, she was saying, so you view this as a, like a stunning achievement of your people or whatever. And Jamie's like, well, no, not in and of itself, but what it allows us to do Yes. Like, yes, the warp drive's a big deal, and it's a big deal on the ship because it provides all of our power, but we use that power to explore and meet people, and that's our mission, and that's why we're here. 
And she's like, well, we used to be engineers and scientists. And then we became a bunch of space hippies or something. And we found out that technology was actually ruining our lives. It's like, oh, God, they're these people. Right. We also find out that the prelate's like grandfather or great-grandfather was one of the people who overthrew, helped overthrow the old government and installed the new government of spirituality and religion, etc., etc. It's like, and at this no- point, no, I don't want to deal with these people at all anymore. And I have nothing against the, not, like, that, that thing in and of itself, but the fact that the prelate's related to this person is like, oh... I'm not crazy about the foundations of this government. If yeah. it had been like exactly reversed, that it was we used to be a highly spiritual people, and then we discovered like how great technology is. And my great grandfather is one of the people who overthrew the former the oppressive spiritual government. Then, exactly. Yeah, I would still feel the exact same way. It's like so nepotism is still strong. There's also the fact that it sounds basically it's like, well, my grandfather didn't like the fact that the kids had iPods, so. <laughs> these kids today yes that that's kind of what it feels like back on the moon the regular moon not the spoon well sort of a spoon it's a sacred moon Ooh, that's a good point it is kind of a spoon so back on so back on the moon it's nighttime now the kids are all the kids are all trying to get to sleep but they can't they want a bedtime story so tuvok sings them one so tim russ actually has a singing career. He's done a couple albums. There's an interestingly bizarre music video of him singing a song in the special features of the Season 2 Voyager DVDs. I've heard about this. Uh, Apparently, they knew that Tuvok liked to sing, or that Tim Russ liked to sing, so they wanted to include this scene. Tim Russ was very concerned about it because he was afraid it would seem goofy, but they managed to make it a Vulcan story that tells Mm -hmm. us tells a lesson and so it actually sounds it actually works pretty well i think i liked the scene yeah i thought it went well i actually liked basically this entire episode yeah more or less yeah so the kids finally drift off to sleep morning comes and tressa shakes tuvok awake because the other kids are missing tuvok gives her a phaser <laughs> you know sure <laughs> why not <laughs> and then and then closes the shuttle door so he can go check out the cave He gets into the cave and finds out that the kids have been raptured. Yes. Or there's a bunch of naked kids running around somewhere. Both are bad. I feel like one is slightly less bad than the other, but okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But in addition to the the clothing of the two kids that were there the night before, he finds the clothing of other people as well. Mm -hmm. So clearly this is a cave that this, like these peoples, when they get to this moon, they apparently are like strangely compelled to come to this cave and get raptured and or start then like run around the jungle naked. Sure. Yeah, it, it is strange. Where did they what happened to the children before the Dreans had space travel? Yeah, if this is some sort of like sacred sacrifice moon, where do they do their sacrificing before they could make it to the moon? Yeah, and like Speaking from a human perspective, it feels weird that you would still have sacred sacrifice locations once you have space travel. But then on the other hand, these are the hippy-dippy people, so maybe they do. It also feels a little bit weird that they would have, like, a sacred moon, and, like, one of the things they would do is then, like, send ships there. Yes. So we're back on Voyager, and they have figured out, we're, like, protecting these life signs, we think we found the shuttle, but we can't transport because... The electro... something? The electrodynamic turbulence. 
Thank you. The clouds are bad. Which right. is not a one and done. It does happen again. Nice. Clouds are bad. Okay. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. The prelate is on the comms with Janeway, and Jane's like, "Well, we found our person. We're gonna go. Th- we're gonna go down there and get them. How do you feel about a joint rescue mission?" The prelate's like, "No." Get out of town. It's like, well, no, that's not happening. Especially after Tuvok said that they're trying to kill the children. Yes. Well, there's that too. Yes, also that happened. <laughs> and so Janeway's like, well, uh, okay, solo rescue mission it is, I guess. It's like, well, we're going to follow you. So joint rescue mission? <laughs> Apparently. But not really. So nah. Janeway grabs Paris and off to the shuttle bay they go. Paris initiates pre-check. They do like three checks and Janeway's like, Good enough for me. Let's go. And Paris is, you know, a bit surprised by this. And Janeway says, sometimes you need to skip it. And and he's like, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. You can't tell me that Paris has never skipped pre-check. Yeah, how do you think he got kicked out of the Academy? <laughs> right. No, he didn't get kicked out of the Academy. That was... That was not Paris. That was not Paris, but it was Robin McNeil. <laughs> and it was basically Paris. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, but Paris got kicked out of Starfleet. He was actually an officer when he was in the shuttle that's accident. That's right, that's he, right. Yeah, a shuttle accident that was his fault that caused... Because he didn't do his pre-check. Because he didn't do his pre-check, yeah. Yeah. He should have done that. He like, respond. You, you know, Captain, you know what happened the last time I skipped pre-check? People died. So, hey, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't recall Harry Kim doing anything this episode other than maybe potentially saying, like, Captain, a signal. He tells them that he's been studying it and he thinks they can make it through if they gener- generate the same kind of field uh, with their shuttle's warp, co- warp coils. That's what he, like, right before this scene, he tells them how they can get down to the planet. Harry Kim's lack of larger contribution to the mission and the rescue of Tuvok is why he's still an ensign. He told them how to get to the planet. Lack of larger contribution. I need a reason, all right? Every episode needs a reason. <laughs> Harry Kim's lack of screen time is why he's still in it. <laughs> well, it's not the real Harry Kim anyway. That's true. <laughs> so, before they set off, they have to ask the bridge to depressurize the shuttle bay and then open the doors. Why isn't there a button inside the shuttle to do that? Yeah, I think there is in other episodes. <laughs> also, when the shuttle leaves the shuttle bay, it's like the size of the opening. Yeah, and that's the small that's one of their small shuttles. So yeah. how could they possibly fit a hundred and sixty three shuttles inside there? <laughs> no, actually honestly, that that shuttle looks way too big for compared to the ship model when it's leaving there it needs to be at least three times smaller yes at least twice as small or i mean half of what whatever you however you yeah I mean, yeah well you have to like you have to figure that the shuttle bay is at least two decks tall yeah and that that means that shuttle is two decks tall that said actually when janeway and paris are in the sh- shuttle talking and you can see the walls on both sides of their windows, it's like yeah. really near the wall on both sides. Where do they park all the other shuttles? Thank again, God! Like, thank God they've been blowing up every fifth episode. And aside from that, I'm just talking about looking at the size of the shuttle coming out of the ship, and the fact that you can see the entire back of the ship. That shuttle is way too big. Yeah, and I thought the Delta Flyer was going to be big. Right? Where are they going to fit that? <laughs> How do they fit 
the that gigantic shuttle apparently however many of the other shuttles they have a pickup truck <laughs> well the pickup truck was in the cargo bay cargo bay 2 probably i thought they put it in i thought they like tracked it into the shuttle bay it might have been the shuttle bay i don't Doesn't matter now. that was like a while ago <laughs> the shuttle's gigantic it's yes. like it's bad I, except I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on tiny this shuttle. <laughs> this is my rank pips <laughs> okay all right anyway because like it's i mean the shuttle is enormous compared to the ship so yes the shuttle is way too big in that shot because this is the tiny shuttle that seats two people yeah also why are there glowing screens on the backs of their seats that was a janeway custom order she wanted pads in the seats oh yeah that makes sense so yeah so they take off a drayan shuttle takes off after them tuvok meanwhile is trying to lift off from the planet because i think there's another shuttle in the atmosphere near them maybe or not the planet but the moon but whatever yeah so there's lots of stuff flying around at this point mm-hmm. warning shots are fired tuvok has to land again but before that, in order for Tuvok to take off, he has to do an emergency procedure that involves making one of the consoles explode. Yes. Boy, he's lucky it was the console that he made the girl leave and not the one next to him. Well, since he told her to leave, he clearly knew what was about to happen. It's so probably ha- was Why like, is that probabilistically like- speaking, what I'm about to do is going to blow up that console. Why? Because that shuttle is literally the fifth prototype. <laughs> Every Starfleet vessel, I don't care, I I don't care how many battle scenes you show me where they have, like, 15 Galaxy-class vessels out there, every single one of them is a prototype. Yeah, because this is actually a TNG-era shuttle, because the one Tuvok's on is the the older one that we saw in TNG before Voyager. Yeah, no, I I, I recognize that. I like the Voyager-era shuttles a lot better. the the newer one is much better, I agree. Yes. Not nearly as cool as the shuttle as yet to come, which is practically a runabout in size, but... yes. Double plus extra good shuttle plus captain's yacht plus runabout plus like defiant mini. It's not <laughs> called the captain's yacht. Voyager has one, but it's not called the captain's yacht. It's called something else. It's it's called the arrow shuttle on Voyager, and we we also never see it. Is that the is that the 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 thing on the bottom of the saucer? Yeah, it's always on the bottom of the saucer. Okay, and it never gets deployed. Yeah, the only time we ever see a captain's yacht of any vintage is in Star Trek Insurrection. And that stupid buggy. That was in Starship Nemesis, but yes. That was Nemesis, you're right. Anyway, Tuvok's back on the moon with the kid. The prelate's on the moon, apparently, with her unspeaking cohorts. Mm-hmm. Janeway and Paris are on the moon now. Everyone's well. on the moon, except Harry Kim. That's why he's not an ensign. I mean, that's why he's not a lieutenant. That is why Harry Kim is still an ensign, because he did not uh, insist on going on this mission so that he could provide critical information or something this is where we find out that it's an entire species of benjamin buttons yes and that tressa is actually 96 years old so just throw out everything that we've been thinking this whole time about or that i was thinking certainly about this about like whether the veils are a sign of maturity the universal translator kind of messed up because they aren't children and children shouldn't have been the word it translated when the kids say children yeah. The Universal Translator should not have translated that as children. Hmm. What would you say is the better word? Elders would have been the better word. Would they have called themselves elders? Well, they w- I'm trying to think of like another word for like a, you know, diminu- like diminutive 
life form. Hmm. I, I I feel like it. I'm not I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to think of like what a better word would be. Obviously, that would have that would have you know spoiled given the away surprise, the game. Yes, but yes. I feel like it shouldn't have happened. Solid surprise though. I liked it. Yeah, but here's my thing. So okay, yeah. So the the prelate tells us that like amongst their peoples, they apparently start off fully grown, and I assume what we would consider to be elderly looking. We never see anyone who looks like that, probably because they're not mature enough to take part in these sort of things. Right. Everyone we see is approximately middle-aged. And then they, as they age, as their age increases, their outward appearance of age decreases. Yes. And they also start to like lose their memories and whatnot. Which happens when people age. Yeah. And then eventually, when it's their time, they are sent to this moon so their energy can rejoin the greatness. Yeah. So I have a whole series of thoughts. <laughs> okay. Okay. So thought the first. This reminds me of emanations. Yes. Uh, thought the second. This reminds me of the shrine and the second childhood. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, j- just in terms of like literally childhood in this instance. And it would be sort of like a second childhood because I, I'm just like, I'm now basically picturing like 85 year olds with like the beanies with a little propeller on top and like playing like stick ball and stuff and just like being rambunctious and then happening again once they look like they're eight. And that's just kind of funny to me. That would be funky. And then thought the third, at a certain point, Tressa says something about like her children and her grandchildren and how much she misses them and loves them. And it's like, are you just now having like a moment of clarity now that you've like yeah, accepted what's that, happening, or have you been lying for the last two days? Yeah, that part bothered me as well. You remind me of my grandson. I miss him sometimes. Have you been missing him this whole time? Have you been thinking about him? Have you known? Yeah, that was. Did all three of them forget that they had were old? Right. So. Tuvok volunteers to continue to do what he has done for the past couple of days, which is stay at Tressa's side and protect her and get her through the whole scenario. Yep. So he walks her up to the cave. The prelate tells us that this is a great honor and a wonderful thing. And maybe you, and maybe you federations aren't so bad. Uh, we have no idea if they get the polypharide, which is the whole point. I mean, I realized this episode is like, Oh, look at this thing with Tuvok and the special story but I mean like the real like the real nuts and bolts of this is did they get the polypharide? Probably not. <sighs> so there's a funny outtake from this episode. Yeah? In which in the scene where Tuvok is taking Tressa up to the cave uh, he stops and runs away saying I ain't going in there. <laughs> which is kind of funny. That is a little funny. But no, all in all I, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was good. I liked Tim Russ singing. That was fun. And there is a high concept here. Yeah? The I children. want you to tell me your high concept every episode from now on. I want you to lay out for the listeners and me <laughs> what is your high concept. Like, every time you say that, it makes me... It, it sounds like you're doubting that I actually think that, that, that there is actually a high concept. <laughs> so, actually, there could be two high concept pitches... Which, according to Memory Alpha on the production of the episode, that's kind of how it went. Originally, the aging backward thing happened happened later in development. The original high concept was Tuvok has to deal with children. 
Yeah, that is an excellent high-concept pitch. Once you add in the backwards aging thing, it gets a little bit lower on the run. So the that's other like, high-concept could just be these people age backwardly. Right, exactly. But combining those two things together, I feel like... Yeah, okay. Then we're getting to medium concept. Yeah, exactly. It, it becomes more of a medium concept thing. Or just a concept, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Like, high concept, Tuvok has to deal with rambunctious, disobedient people while stranded on a moon. Yes. And they never get the polypharite. <laughs> no, they never get the polypharite. But I, I do feel that by the end there, especially the moment where Tuvok says, you know, if you stayed out of my way, who would help me make the repairs? That he was clearly... There was a thaw happening on Tuvok's traditionally cold exterior towards towards these terrible train children. A little bit, yeah. And we'll have the thaw next week. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, you should also check out our other podcast, Stargate Weekly. You can find and review both podcasts on your podcast player of choice. And you can also reach us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. I'm at Gamicus on Twitter. I'm at Tyrannicus on Twitter. And the show is at Delta Flyer Pod. And that's our show. Yeah. <laughs>